Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Glad you're here today. Uh, it's good to see everybody here this morning, and uh, we welcome you uh, to Community Baptist Church as we have gathered to worship in the name of the Lord. We welcome our guests especially today. We're glad that you're here and hope God's going to bless in a very special way. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would take those and to fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you could do that, we would certainly appreciate it. And I would also like to call to your attention a few announcements that we have today. Uh, first of all, we will be, um, next Sunday is a special day. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. And uh, we will be celebrating Mother's Day. We will be beginning with... Um, uh, a breakfast at is that nine nine thirty nine o'clock? What time is it? Nine o'clock. At nine o'clock on uh, Sunday morning, we'll have breakfast together, and uh, the guys will be pre- preparing breakfast for the ladies. And so everyone is invited to be a p- part of that as we celebrate together. Also, on May the 24th, our upperclassmen group will be uh, touring the uh, the Toyota plant, and uh, so put that on your on your calendar. And uh, looking ahead a little bit further, in June, June the 7th through 9th, we will be uh, participating again in our extreme build. It's a little bit different this year. We're, we're going to go back to McCreary County, which is one of the poorest counties in the country, and we've made a, a significant impact there. Normally we go and we build a house. Uh, this year we're not going to build a house. We're going to be repairing a lot of uh, uh, structures that, that need uh, attention there. So if you would like to be a part of that, then uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the um, the table as you leave there, and uh, please sign up, and and uh, and we'll uh, get you registered and set up for that. Also, uh, in June, Vacation Bible School is June the 4th through 7th, and we're looking for volunteers. There's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board back here. And on Thursday, we have something. We're going to be hosting an informational event here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, some of you know that um, around this area especially, we've been having a lot of trouble with coyotes. And uh, and so we're going to be hosting a, an event to get some information about that and what we can do and how we need to, to be safe residents in our, in our community. So uh, put that on your calendar as well. Today, uh, we are celebrating Ascension Sunday, the day when, when Christ was, was raised um, uh, t- uh, to, to go to heaven to be with his Father. And so I'm going to ask you now to rise, <laughs> ascend, and greet each other in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Let us pray together. Almighty God, we come today reminded of Your greatness and Your glory. Your sovereign power and eternal purpose all expressed so wonderfully in the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord, risen and ascended. We thank You for the wonder of ascension, that marvelous yet mysterious moment in the life of the apostles which left them gazing towards the heavens in confusion and then departing in joy. We thank you for the way it brought the earthly ministry of Jesus to a fitting conclusion, signifying his oneness with you and demonstrating your final seal of approval on all that he had done. We thank you that through his ascension, Jesus is now set free to be the Lord of all, no longer bound to a particular place and time, but with us, always, everywhere, able to reach even to the ends of the earth. We thank you that through his departing, Jesus prepared us to take up the mantle of kingdom work through the power of his Spirit. Oh God, Forgive us for for failing to grasp the wonder of ascension. Forgive us for living each day as though it had never happened. Forgive the smallness of our vision and the narrowness of our outlook, the weakness of our love, the timidity of our witness and our repeated failure to recognize the fullness of your revelation in Jesus Christ. Give us a deeper sense of wonder. Give us a stronger faith. Give us a greater understanding of everything that you have done. And, O God, like the apostles, we realize that we will never fully understand all that the ascension means to this world. And we accept, but we do not really understand. We believe. Yet we have so many questions. And so help us, God. Despite our uncertainty, help us to hold firm to the great truth that the wonder of Jesus Christ goes far beyond anything that we can ever imagine. And in that faith, may we live each day to His glory and honor. Amen.
you to think of a person that you uh, know, like a friend, but maybe you don't know if they know Jesus. Can you think of that person? Don't say their name out loud. Just draw a picture. Or maybe a place where you know that person. I'm going to draw my person. I'm going to draw the place where that person found me. And so, do you know the story of how we're talking about Jesus uh, leaving earth and going to heaven today. And part of the scripture that we're going to hear is that Jesus tells us that we will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And he, the Holy Spirit will come to earth and live within us. And that we are to be the witnesses of this. And the witness that Jesus lived and that he died for us. And that he loved us. And even to start with the people that we know. And so my story from way, way back in the day, I was riding a school bus. So I'm not a very good drawer. Here's my bus. 
I've got some stick people. And I was sitting next to a girl who um, we went to school together and we went to church together. And I said, I know that you know Jesus, but I don't know what that means. And I don't know what to say if I had to walk in front of all those people at church. So what do you say when you go talk to the preacher? This is what my friend told me. She said, it's easy. She said, just tell them that you've done something. Tell the preacher that you've done something wrong. and We just call that sin. And then um, say that you're sorry for doing something wrong. We call that forgiveness. And tell him what you've just told me is that you want to know Jesus and that you want to have Jesus live in your heart, live inside of you and uh, to go and do the things that he wants you to do. And I said, well, that's easy enough. And so it kind of made me think of the game dominoes. Do you know what dominoes are? You ever play with dominoes? Do you know what they are? Were these, they're these little tie Yes. Mm-hmm. It is. Exactly right. And so I know that you won't get finished with your drawing. But come right here with me and let's set the boxes up and see what happens when my friend told me and you're going to tell your friend and you're going to tell your friend and you're going to tell your friend and you're going to tell your friend, oh my goodness, what very good drawing. I'm not that good. <laughs> yes, you are. I don't have any hands. That's all right. You can have your box stop back in just a second if you want them. When my friend told me, and you tell your friend, and that friend tells somebody else, and that friend tells somebody else, that friend tells somebody else, let's see if this is going to work. Watch what happens. Everybody gets to know about Jesus. And everybody gets to ask Jesus to forgive them of the things that they've done wrong, their sin, and say that they want to follow him and love him. Does that make sense? It's easy to do, isn't it? Let's bow our head. Let's talk to God. Father... I thank you that you have one and only Son, and that you named him Jesus, and that Jesus came to live on earth and be a good example to teach us how to live. And Jesus died on a cross, which we don't have crosses anymore. And he died because of my wrongdoing, of my sin. And he said that if I accept him, that I could be forgiven of all my sins and tell other people while I live here on earth. And when I die, I can live with you in heaven. Thank you, Father. That's a really special gift. Amen.
Once again, for the day that You've given us. For the love that You've shown in so many ways. And as You ascended to heaven, You said that before that You would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank You for that. The Spirit is with us always. It strengthens. It guides us. We can lean on that. We can trust that. We thank You that the Spirit dwells in each of us when we follow You. And we thank You for the peace and the serenity and the revelation that comes with that. So Father, I just ask that You continue to bless us. Help us to utilize the talents and the gifts that You give us. Help us to grow and prosper in this kingdom that You have established. We ask that You bless now the offering that that may come to pass. In Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, 
I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has sent or has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven. This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
just a little while. I certainly hope so. We have something to look forward to, don't we? And our choir is so versatile. They can do anything, can't they? You you have probably never noticed this before. But sometimes pastors can be very strange people. Oh, you have noticed. Well... Anyway, I, I heard about one pastor who uh, stopped by a convenience store one day, and he picked up a, a pack of, ch- of chewing gum, and it cost 50 cents. But when he got to the cash register, he discovered that he didn't have any money with him, and so he thought he would have a little fun with the cashier. And he said, I could invite you to hear me preach as payment for the gum, but then he said, I'm afraid I don't have any 50-cent sermons. And so the cashier, in response, said, well, in that case, maybe I could come twice. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> but, but the fact is that, that preaching can be a very difficult business. I mean, think about it. In a world that has embraced such great spectacles as our huge sporting events like the World Series or the Super Bowl, the Olympics, or even WWF SmackDown, those kinds of events, and and then we have these tremendous special effects in our motion pictures. In a world like that, how... In, in a world like that, can, can a lowly pastor like me compete for people's attention? I mean, think about it. Well, indeed, some pastors are resorting to smoke machines and light shows these days. And, and, and I don't mean to be critical, but I just wonder if wow factor is the same thing as worship. It may take that to get the message through to, to many people today. Uh, and the Bible itself has its share of wow factor in, in it. But, but I wonder if we sometimes take it too far. I heard about a pastor who was preaching a sermon based on, on John the Baptist's strong prophetic words of judgment when he said, even now the axe is laid to the root of the stump. And so to make his point, the preacher pulled out a chainsaw and attacked a potted tree that was sitting next to him there. I imagine that got the, the, the uh, attention of the congregation, don't you think? And, and today is a day... It's a day that we celebrate the ascension of Christ. And so I was thinking about how I can make this come alive for you. And I thought that, that maybe I should hook myself up with some cables and pulleys and get some guys to hoist me up in the middle of my sermon to really give it a little wow factor to make that point. But the last time I did that, it didn't work out so well. In fact, I think we have a clip. That's not me. (laughs) So what do you think? Should we we hire a special effects person to add a little drama to our worship service? Or 
Or, or do you think that the gospel itself adds enough richness to our understanding of Jesus' ministry here on earth? And maybe it'll stand on its own. Well, today's lesson is from the book of Acts. And it would certainly lend itself to some interesting special effects. But I don't think we're going to go there today. The story takes place in the first 11 verses of Acts. And as you may or may not know, the book of, of Luke, the books of Luke and Acts were written by the same person. And, and they're really meant to be two halves of one book. In other words, the book of Acts is really a sequel to the book, uh, to the Gospel of Luke. And if you look at the beginning of each of these books, you will see that both of them are written to someone named Theophilus. The first half is the story of Jesus. The Gospel of Luke is the story of Jesus. as told by Luke, who was one of Paul's uh, closest companions. And uh, the second half of this twofold volume is what we call the Acts of the Apostles, which is a story about the early church with a special focus on the works of Peter and Paul. And today's lesson from the first chapter of Acts is kind of a transitional chapter between the two stories of Jesus and the early church. And Luke begins by writing, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So this passage is is kind of a a summation of everything that, that Jesus did after his resurrection. It says, He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, the church has has always regarded this as an important time, these 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' ascension. And then there are ten more days of waiting before the day of Pentecost. But we are told here that during those 40 days after Easter, He appeared to them many times in order to confirm that he really was alive, because that was such a hard thing to believe, and also to give them his final instructions concerning the kingdom of, of God. And then he comes to this final instruction to them, which is what they should do after he ascended to be with the Father. Luke writes, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was preparing his followers for the most dramatic experience that they would ever have. That time when the Holy Spirit would descend upon them with great power. He knew that His disciples needed some time to reflect on all of the things that they had experienced with Him. They needed some time for everything to kind of come together in their their minds and in their hearts. and, And then they would be ready to receive God's Holy Spirit. 
then they would be ready to see the world through the eyes of Christ. And truth be told, God was slowing them down. God was slowing them down so they could have a little time to to reminisce, some time to think about what has been happening and let it soak in. And, and if God slows us down and, and tells us to wait, there's probably a good reason for it. Sometimes the circumstances may not be right, or sometimes we may not be right, but we can be sure of one thing. Delays do not mean that God is not with us. They do not mean that our needs are not being met. So what did these disciples do in response to this dramatic announcement? Well, Luke tells us that they gathered around him and asked a question. Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? And if you read through the Gospel of Luke, you've seen time after time after time they are asking Jesus the same question. Are you going to uh, uh, restore the kingdom to Israel? Again and again and again they asked this question. And then when he died, they kind of gave up on it. And then when he was risen from the grave, they kind of rejuvenated again. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I'll just bet that Jesus' rea- Jesus's reaction to this was a, a severe eye roll <laughs> and a frustrated sigh. Oh, gosh. They were hung up on this meaning of the kingdom of God. And, and they were hung up, up on when it would be ushered in. And, and we have, what we have here is a clash of visions. Jesus' followers had a vision of the future that was vastly different from what Jesus had in mind. Now that Jesus had arisen from the, from the grave, they were sure that He was going to reestablish Israel as a, as a nation of power and influence on the world stage. God's chosen people would be restored over their Roman oppressors. And that's what the disciples believed was, was going to happen. But unfortunately, their vision did not compare to what Jesus had in mind. You think I'm just talking about a kingdom in Jerusalem, he might have said to them? Well, hang on to your hats, guys, because I've got something much bigger than that in mind. What about a kingdom that covers the entire world? My father cannot be limited to one nation. And as for the timeline for when this would take place, he had already told them on a number of occasions that neither he nor even the angels in heaven knew when that would be. Only the father knew that. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by His own authority. And so what He was saying here was, quit setting dates. You know, Jesus was pretty explicit about that, wasn't He? And with Him being so explicit, as explicit as He was on this subject, doesn't it amaze you? that people are still trying to set dates for the coming of God's kingdom today? As a matter of fact, we missed one less than two weeks ago. Yeah. 
According to some prophet who didn't get the memo, the rapture was supposed to take place on April the 24th. But I'm looking around, I see you missed it. You're still here. Folks, when are we going to realize that most of these people setting dates for the coming of Jesus, they're just spiritual con men. They're making a bundle of money off of people's fears. But Jesus would not be thrown off track by the questions or the misconceptions of His disciples. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples heard these words, but you know what? They still didn't have a clue what Jesus was talking about. Power? Holy Spirit? Witnesses? Ends of the earth? What's He talking about? Well, first Jesus wanted them to spread His message in Jerusalem. That's where they were. And that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Until you realize that Jerusalem was a place that Jesus was crucified. And if the authorities would crucify their clearly innocent leader, then what are they going to do to them? What are the authorities going to do to them? Then they would go to Judea. Judea was the larger region surrounding Jerusalem. And, and you would think that the apostles could travel somewhat anonymously throughout Judea. Uh, but even in this larger region, they, had their, uh, they faced some, some barriers, some obstacles. And, and one of the things was that all of the apostles were from Galilee. And, and Galileans were not very well received in other parts of Israel. They were considered religiously impure and tainted by the the Gentiles. And and most of the Jews even made fun of their accent. They had an accent. And they were basically considered to be country bumpkins by the rest of the country. But the command to take the message to Samaria, that was even more shocking. You see, Samaria was settled by... People who were Jews who had intermarried with pagans. And so they didn't practice an orthodox form of of Judaism at all. They didn't practice the Jewish faith at all. It was a very weird uh, way of doing things. And Samaritans were considered to be half-breeds. And Jews and Samaritans didn't trust one another. They didn't, they hated one another. In fact, in in John 4, verse 9, a Samaritan woman once reminded Jesus that Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Of course, Jesus changed that, didn't He? So why would Jesus offer His message of hope to a bunch of Samaritans? They couldn't get their minds around this. Jesus was saying, you need to take my message to everybody. And they couldn't get their minds around it. It was too much for these disciples to take in. Their small brains just couldn't quite comprehend it all. And it wouldn't be until the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost that they would understand the amazing adventure and the staggering responsibility that they were being called to. 
And then after Jesus had said all of this, something really spectacular happened. He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was ascending into heaven. And then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking up into the sky? Why indeed? Well, now was the time to say goodbye. And those words that we use so often when we leave one another's company, goodbye, it's, it's actually a shortened form of an, an old blessing. God be with you is what it means. And that's exactly the blessing that Jesus was leaving with these followers. God is with you. God is in you. Goodbye. And they were looking up into the sky... As he was ascending into heaven, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood behind them or beside them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking into the sky? And then they said, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go. These two men in white were pointing them towards that climatic day. When at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we too should look ahead to that time. We've been singing about it today, haven't we? We should look ahead to that time and we should be looking ahead towards that that same kingdom vision. Not the one that the disciples had, but the one that Jesus had. The vision of a world where God reigns in every heart. The vision of a world where love permeates every corner of the earth. And it is coming, my friends. It's coming. And our responsibility is not just to sit back and wait. Our responsibility is to wait for its coming, but it is also to work towards making that vision a reality in the earth today. And preparing for it to come. And as we wait, we are to depend upon the Holy Spirit to give us guidance and strength. To show us the way, to show us what we need to be doing to work towards this kingdom vision of Jesus. It's kind of like a scene in the Broadway musical Camelot. Uh, at the beginning, <clears throat> at the beginning of the musical, we see that the magician Merlin is constantly trying to to get a rather slow-witted King Arthur to think for himself. He's trying to think for him. He wants him to think for himself. But every time a difficult situation comes up, Arthur turns to Merlin for the answers, and and, and we quickly see who the real power behind the throne is. And then the last scene, a crisis occurs. See, the knights of the round table who once were comrades and were unified, they are now warring with one another. The wicked Mordred has started a rebellion 
and Arthur has just found out about the love affair between Lancelot and Guinevere. And all seems lost. And Arthur needs Merlin more than he ever has, but Merlin is now dead. Now Arthur will be tested as he has never been tested before. Not by battle, but by the ability to make decisions on his own. And his answer, his answer man, is no longer there. Now we find out what he's really made of. And so in desperation, Arthur cries out, O Merlin, where are you when I need you the most? Having to think is such a blight. It's true, isn't it? Sometimes I think that old adage is true. Ignorance really is bliss. Sometimes it seems like it would be a whole lot easier just to be so ignorant you don't care. And being on your own is, in, in this complicated world, it's hard, isn't it? We have to make hard decisions from time to time. And there's so much in life that, for which there are no easy answers. And sometimes we need a confidant. We need, we need somebody to turn to, to, to lean on, to share our ideas with, and to seek advice from. And we have that confidant in the form of God's Holy Spirit. That spirit which came upon the disciples ten days after Christ's ascension. And that's when the early church really began to take off. So you see, this is kind of a transition. This is a transition between the Gospel of Luke and and the Acts of the Apostles. This transition described by Luke's, Luke is, is finally complete. At this point, Jesus has left the earth and, and now the burden of the kingdom is on the shoulders of the church. And it's a pretty heavy responsibility. But not to worry. The Holy Spirit was with them. And they witnessed amazing, miraculous events. And sometimes amazing, miraculous events took place because of something that they did or something that they said. And today, that small handful of disciples has grown to over 2.3 billion Christians. My friends, Christ's kingdom is coming. It might be bit by bit right now. Someday it may come all at once. I don't know. But everyone who worships Christ will one day share in that final victory that Christ has promised to us. And so we look forward to that event. We work for that time. We try to make it as much a part of who we are here and now as we possibly can. And we praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we say, come Lord Jesus. Come. Amen.
Let's sing together our closing hymn, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. And they are, aren't they? We do have burdens of life, and it's hard to live our lives sometimes, but through what Christ has done for us, through the Holy Spirit that comes to us, those burdens are made so much lighter. Let us sing together. that song that you are very near to us. Through your Holy Spirit, you are by our sides. You lead us ahead of us. You are within us as we make the decisions that we make that affect our lives. And so my prayer today is that we would all go out into the world and in your words and in your lives that, that we would bear witness to the Christ who has ascended to be everywhere present. And as we come to know him, may God give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. May Christ lift up his hands and bless us all. And may the spirit open to each of us all the riches of Christ's inheritance. We go in peace to love and to serve the Lord and to serve the world for whom Christ died. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen.